0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet. It's time
1: to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. Our guest today, Andrew Allegretta, he's one of the two voices Of Vanderbilt Athletics. He did not call Vanderbilt's game against Tennessee on Wednesday night which resulted in a huge Commodore upset. However he was in the gym for that one. Andrew appears on the guest line that is presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture and made-to-order items, including a display case for my Prizedale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call, 615-830-9458. The question-and-answer session with Andrew is sponsored by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call That number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now on to our interview with Andrew. Andrew Allegretta joins us. He's one of the play-by-play voices of Vanderbilt sports. He was not on the call last night for Vanderbilt's upset of Tennessee. However, he was in the gym and paying keen attention. We're going to talk some of that. We're going to talk some baseball. Andrew, thanks for joining us today.
0: Uh, great to talk. I was in 3K with my wife and my two-year-old son. You so said paying keen attention. Yeah. Uh, well, my my son likes to go all the way up for a variety of reasons. I mean, he's two and a oh, half. Oh, that was so, fun. You know, he's, he's, yeah, yeah, he's picking he's picking obscure reasons. Um, so you said paying keen attention, and I will admit, I was paying keen attention when I was able to. <laughs> right, that's <laughs> and then, the operative And word. <laughs> then when the two, <laughs> yeah, and then when the two and a half year old wanted to just climb the stairs, I was also doing that.
1: Yeah, been there. Um, my my brother. <laughs> this is a this is off topic, but this is I've I've got a son who's I guess wired like me. My brother took my son David, who turns nine on Saturday, to his first game at Vanderbilt when he was about three, and they were playing Ole Miss. I remember. I, I think they got beat, but he. I was asking him afterwards. I said. Do you have any trouble with David? He's like, no, he he sat there the whole time and paid attention. Like from start. Like, David, do you want to go to the bathroom? No. Do you want anything? No. He sat there like, like including halftime stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I got I got a little lucky with that part. Um I that, that's just been how that one's wired since day one. But uh yeah, I, I remember not not taking well, him to a game, had- but hearing the story, yeah.
0: Yeah, we, we've got that typically when my son goes to baseball games. Uh, yeah. my I don't know if you can be predisposed to being an ex-sports fan, but it certainly appears like my son is predisposed to being a baseball fan. And yeah. he is, when I say attentive at baseball games, it certainly sounds like your son, David. I mean, he is attentive, yeah. so I get it.
1: That's when you know you've raised him right, when they pay attention to baseball.
0: Oh, I, he, uh, you know... I, I, again, I don't know if it's uh, the environment he has stepped into or the DNA that he was blessed with, but one or the two. And, and who knows? It'll change. But he's two and a half, and we yeah. are a fan of baseball. We came we came to the basketball game last night with baseball gloves because we knew the baseball practice was happening beforehand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's yeah. those are good times, man. Uh, well, we're we're not far <laughs> from baseball. But before we get there, we got some basketball to talk. Uh, my goodness, Fandy gets its biggest win probably since Bryce Drew was here. That first year, they had some big wins. They went on a run in February to go from obscurity to the NCAA tournament. And I I don't think that Vanderbilt has notched a win like it did last night. Look, the Vols weren't number two like they were a week ago, but they were six. And, of course, it had been a long time since Vanderbilt had beaten Tennessee. Uh, Just a special night for the program and for Tyron Lawrence, and I was really happy that he was the guy who got to hit the shot to win that game.
0: I, I think that was my major takeaway. There's a lot of takeaways uh, from that game against Tennessee. Uh, but and I was just talking with uh, Kevin Ingram, who of course was on the call for that game. And, and I think and it's one of the things we talked about, and as offensively and Coach Stackhouse has said as much, it's at its best with Liam Robbins on the floor. So, Liam can very much be the quote unquote straw that stirs the drink. But for my eyeballs, untrained as they are, Tyron is the most dynamic and pure scorer on the floor. And he's obviously had his rocky Rose throughout the rest uh, of of the, the you know previous stretch of games. We get it. Um he's got the backstory of uh, losing his father and very much feeling like Stackhouse is is stepping into as much as he can a father figure role. Uh, and it's been hard to pull that sort of consistent execution out of Tyron. Uh And it was wonderful through everything that he's gone through, especially in the past two weeks, to to have that moment. and And my hope that you can draw from it is that he continues to learn and lean into what he is as a basketball player, which is an elite score. I, I just I feel like he can get to the bucket and finish and shoot in ways that maybe some of the other guys can't do at a consistent level. Not that the other ones can't, but he just seems to be on a different plane to me than the rest of the team from a scoring standpoint. Liam makes a go, but Tyron can score. So for him to have that moment can maybe establish a level of consistency in his confidence uh, moving forward for the stretch run.
1: Might you say he is uh, Robin to to Liam Robbins as Batman?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's flipped there, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you I might also it say it was I'm Robin, Tennessee fight.
1: of a win last night.
0: <laughs> All of these things are in play for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, f- it feels like it's been a while since we had one like this to talk about.
0: Um, no, I, and yeah, and, and I mean, I don't have the context, but everything that that I have talked to and heard, and and just being in the gym last night, it's been it's been a while, and Vandy fans were very much um, due for a moment like this.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Crazy. I mean, he. It's funny. I was watching from TV, and, and it's like I knew the minute that ball went out of his hand. Um, I, I just felt like, yeah, they're, they're going to review this, but he beat the clock. But man, that was the timing on all that was just. There was a lot of stuff that happened. happen in that well, last seventeen seconds. Like, first of all, and, and have team, you ever seen a team? Because yeah. I, I was wondering. I was thinking, like, can they? Can they even commit five fouls with enough time to get a shot to? Win this game, uh, that was number one, and they did it with eight seconds left, and still had time for a timeout. So, like that was the sequence of events just to set that up. And Vescovy missing the foul shot. I think he's an eighty percent shooter. Uh, there was a lot that had to happen there just to set that up.
0: hundred percent. Again, things we were talking on, uh, touching on with Kevin not too long ago. It, it like how quickly, Chris. And yes, this is stuff that you should execute on a basic level, but the heat of the moment gets going and sometimes it doesn't happen. How quickly Jordan Wright, I believe it was him, who got the rebound off of Beskabee's miss, gets it to Ezra, gets past half court, calls the timeout, knows the situation, was flawless. It, It was as smooth as you could ask. And the difference between smooth and not smooth is Stackhouse having four to five seconds to play with on the final play versus two. You call a totally different play with two seconds versus four or five. Um, Those are the minutia moments throughout the final sequence uh, that are really significant, including uh, the freshman for Tennessee that elected to not take the dunk and try to kill clock which I don't necessarily, I don't know what the right move is there. I'll be very honest. I don't know if you should take the points, which I, I guess you can always default to take the points and, 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 and all of that sort of stuff. But man, like you said, there was so many fouls that had to be given and so little time on the clock. And it, it just, everything had to come together. And then the last thing that I would note um, is watching it live, I thought for sure that Tyron was behind the backboard, and I was nervous that he had to make a horse-level shot to get it to go in. Now, two things 24 hours later. One, I stepped on uh, the floor earlier this morning just coming to work, and I tried to stand to the best of my ability where Tyron was just to see his angle. I don't think he was behind the backboard, but what I do think, Chris, is he was even with the backboard. Now, the plus for him, he is left-handed, so his angle is not as dramatic but I would note he was that's still not
1: an easy on, shot
0: straight on yeah, with the rim. It's an easy shot. If you are flat at the backboard, left handed the angle and he was falling away too, uh, is still a little awkward. So I don't, the level of difficulty on that shot, especially with how quick he had to let it go is still pretty high. And let's throw one more thing into the mix. That was a gutsy pass by Ezra. Um, because if he misses his target at all, Uh, Tyron doesn't have the time to gather and shoot. So the efficiency of the pass and the ability to have a quick release and make it from the angle that he had, which again, I still think is flat with the backboard, is really, really impressive.
1: Yeah, if you go back and look at the checklist of all the stuff that had to happen in the last 17.2 and the fact that they pulled it off, it's kind of remarkable. I think that um, they should have taken the dunk, and here's why. You hit that dunk. You are up, what four points with ten seconds left, or whatever it is. At that point, at that point, Vanderbilt's got to score on two different possessions to beat you. That's why I would have done it. But of course, sure. you don't get the luxury sure. of you know <laughs> doing all the calculus in your head. You're you're taking off with the ball towards the bucket, although maybe that should have. I don't know, maybe that should have been discussed in a huddle somewhere before, but you can always what-if these things. Um, of speaking of what-ifs, in a one-point game, there's a lot of things that have to happen for it to go your way. And one thing that I noticed Stackhouse did last night, usually when you get a second foul, that's a death sentence for the rest of the half. And Robbins got one. They brought him back in with, I don't know, three, four minutes left in the half. It might have been two. He gets that dunk on the baseline right before oh. halftime, and you know I, I think that I can't remember if that put them up one or down two. Or I mean, it was a close game, but in point being, in a game like that where it's decided by one point, all those little things matter, and that's something Stackhouse did differently last night. I, I could be wrong; maybe he's brought guys back with two fouls before, but it seems like generally once a guy gets two, he sits the rest of the half, and that little decision right there had an effect in the outcome i think this season of the vandy sports podcast has been made possible by my friend dr jody jones dds when it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services jody is the best in nashville just check out his client list it testifies to that he sees movie stars music stars athletes coaches you name it jody is the dentist of choice for stars in nashville but he sees regular folks like you and i as well Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast, because without it, this season would not be possible.
0: I I certainly would co-sign that to the best of my knowledge. Um, I know Liam did come out um, at least with like 30 seconds to go, right? There was a couple of final possessions, which I remember Q being in, which I I kind of noted in my brain, like, okay, let's not tack an extra foul on Liam. Um, I I think my hunch would be without talking with Stack is, it is a close game, and these final couple of minutes and a half certainly can sway the second half in one direction or another out of the gate. So let's at least make sure that we're attached with Tennessee, or leading Tennessee, and once I feel good about one or two of those options, then you can get him out of the game. Uh, but I, I also, man, his dunk, I, is it the one that you're talking about that he dunked through two guys? Are we talking about the third dunk?
1: Yeah, the one where he dribbled right baseline, went over Awaka and someone else. It was something
0: yeah someone someone followed and i don't know if it was ezra or tyron or whoever one of the tennessee defenders followed what what looked like you know a a dribble handoff sort of motion to the top of the key and the right baseline was wide open and and liam to his credit flushed it right like how many times have we bemoaned basketball players going to the rim and not attacking with a dunk and trying to you know finesse a shot or whatever like kudos to liam to say, I don't care that there's two balls here. I'm seven foot whatever, and I'm going to thunder it through you. I love that moment.
1: Yeah, two things about him. I was doing some stats this week for the SEC site that I run, and I was looking at per 70 possessions, everybody in the league that had played over 400 minutes. He was coming into this week's games, in other words, Saturdays are complete, whatever Tuesday and Wednesday's games whatever happened there has not been calculated in, but Robbins was leading the league in points per 70 possessions and blocks per 70 possessions. Uh, And the lead in blocks was somewhat significant. And and like I did a top 10, he had six blocks per 70 possessions. Like the, the, the lower guys on the top 10 were under two. That's how dominant he is on that defensive end. But one other thing about him last night, you know, he steps out, he hits three threes in the first half. And then that dunk on the baseline. This discussion came up on our board this morning about him as a pro prospect. Look, I'm not an NBA scout, anything like that. I'm not the best at this, but I'm just thinking, okay, you're you're seven feet. You showed you can stretch the floor a little bit last night. You showed you can handle the ball a little bit last night. Uh, The the stats are great. I think he leads the league in player efficiency rating. And, again, some of that's a little bit easier because he hasn't played as many minutes as some other guys uh, which gets him some rest. He's missed some games with injury. I get all that. But to me, if I'm watching that um, is an NBA guy, I'm thinking this guy's got to be on our radar because he showed me a lot last night.
0: Yeah. Well, first off, I would, I would agree with the first thing that you said and say it's the same for me that I'm not an NBA scout. <laughs> but um, if nothing else, if nothing else, we certainly understand how much he impacts the game offensively and defensively and for all of the conversations of the nba being a and this is i can't admit a hijacked point from tim legler the other night on SCP. uh for all of the conversations about the nba being a offensive league there is still a high priority place internally on front offices on the ability to defend at least somewhat at least somewhat Uh, So if you've got someone that can alter a game on both sides of the floor, they're going to be valued. I've got no idea, no earthly idea, where Liam would fall in that evaluation process. But he certainly has forced people's attention to evaluate him.
1: Last thing I think on hoops before we talk baseball for a minute, we're a little rushed today. I've got pickup duty for for school today, uh, which seems to be happening a lot lately. Um Jordan Wright, I think he's well, 27 minutes last night, 12 points. I think those were all in the second half. Is that correct?
0: I don't, I don't have um, the exact first to second half breakdown. But, again, talking with Kevin throughout the course of the day today, uh, certainly he emphasized that the whole thing doesn't go last night without Jordan's second half performance. So whether they all were or 10 or 11 or 12, whatever it was, um, much of that second half doesn't go without Jordan's performance. Yeah.
1: There was a thing, I can't remember, one of the stat services tweeted it out. It's the lineups, the best five combinations in terms of offensive efficiency in the country. And they'd only played, I think, 80 minutes together last night. Uh, And and it probably was, I mean, I'm, I'm sure those five played together at some point last night. Uh, Well, I think they started. No, actually, Melora Brown started. But anyway, um, I think it's Robbins, Lawrence, Magnon, Studi, and Wright, I think was the eighth most efficient scoring combination in the country um, heading into this week. I mean, those guys on the floor together, I I think they're going to have to do this thing where they do the Eric Musselman, and he's done it a little bit, shorten the bench because – that's a pretty potent offensive group. No, they're not great defensively. This is just isn't going to be a great defensive team. I mean, they have some assets, uh, especially on the back end with Robbins. But, I mean, to me, that's your calling card going forward. is You get those guys on the floor as much as you can going forward. I mean, they hit, what, 10 to 25 from three last night. I think they're the first team to hit double-digit threes against Tennessee this year, which, by the way, Tennessee had given up 50 points or less, 11 games, which is just crazy good. Uh, That's a lot of rambling there, but they seem to have a combination that's pretty hard for anybody to stop when it's all in together.
0: Yeah, I'll defer to you on uh, some of those metrics there because I don't know them, but it it strikes me quickly the equivalency of being like, okay, if you're a baseball coach, segue. um, Do you go to the guy that you believe is a slightly better hitter or do you go to the guy that appears to be a slightly better statistical matchup, right? Like you play the left versus right card with your hitter, or do you go to the right versus life, uh, right versus right because you're righty, you know, is a little bit better hitter. So those are, those are coaching calls, man. And, um, sometimes, sometimes I, I hunch the matchups are actually important to play. Uh, and sometimes you want to leave the individual you deem to be the best athlete on there. Um, I'm not a coach, so I don't know. But those that I mean that's why being a coach is they get paid what they get paid for good reasons. Um but it ain't it ain't all sunshine and roses, man. There's tough, tough calls to to decide on.
1: No doubt. Um we got about five minutes. I know we were gonna talk baseball for a minute. I don't know where you're gonna go, but I'll I'll just open it up and, and let you go with whatever's on your mind. I will be out there tomorrow. Tomorrow being Friday to watch a scrimmage. I'll be um getting a little background info with a with contact or two there as we get ready to write our baseball preview stuff next week. Man, it is just gotten here in a hurry. I know you're going to scrimmages and stuff like that and watching and, and hearing things yeah. and such. What, what have you got on baseball that's sticking out right now?
0: Uh, here, I'll do this because we just did this with Kev for the Anchor Podcast. Uh, our official breakout players slash pick to click players for 2023. I finally, I have finally settled on the player I've decided to deem uh, with dishonor, uh, <laughs> quote unquote.
1: And I'm, um, I'm very interested because this could be a lot of guys. Who do you think I'm going to go with? Uh, Matt Polk.
0: No. Okay. Uh, Jonathan vastein.
1: That that'll um, work too. He's hit well in scrimmages, yeah. I think.
0: Yeah. So here's why one, he's an elite defender. He's got the strongest infield arm on the team. And that includes an infield with Davis Diaz or RJ Austin, who's on another athletic level. Right. Um, So he's got the strongest infield arm and he's a really good glove, um, which means he's going to, you would think based on corpse's mentality, find a way to stick on the field his offense has taken another level. This is a good note for folks. They did not. Um, and, and I don't want to make a blanket 100% statement, uh, but essentially they did not. They being the team did not touch a metal bat until about two weeks ago. All the wow. fall, the beginning part of spring. And even just now, as I was watching Bastine uh take BP, they leaned on wood bats point being is, Metal can cover up holes in your swing. Wood will expose everything. And they have made a point of emphasis to be more authoritative, stronger, exit velos, all of that sort of stuff, to just be more physical as hitters and in part um, execute it with wood. That way you can pick apart your swing. Um, and he's gotten stronger. Uh, I think he's more comfortable in his own skid as part of this program. Uh, He's hitting the ball hard and that includes home runs. He's not going to be a 15 to 20 home run guy, but if he can give you five to 10 and he hits, you know, three to three twenty five ish. Right. Um, then you've got yourself a really impactful. I'm going to hunt either second or third baseman. Um, and going back to the, in his own skin thing, he's been very vocal during training sessions. Um, not like hyper rah-rah, but there is a focus in his voice. He's getting the younger players, R.J. Austin's and, you know, Ivan Arias and all that sort of stuff. Those guys to where they need to be in training sessions uh, consistently. Uh, it, he, he is outwardly a bigger person and a more comfortable person, and I think that will kind of bode well. He's going to hit some rough patches. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's TCU Texas, Oklahoma State out of the gates, uh, and then UCLA. Uh, and then a trip to Minnesota and then you start conference play with the defending national champions. It's not going to be easy, uh, but I think he is set up uh, to be a guy that we all notice a lot more throughout the course of the season. So fingers crossed, I didn't just jinx anybody, but he definitely has been a standout person uh, throughout the course uh, of, you know, January, February.
1: All right, uh, any other nuggets? because I'm going to end with asking you to give me your projected opening day lineup.
0: Wow, goodness. Uh, no nuggets. Um, you know, the only spot that I feel one hundred percent about Chris <laughs> is Center field. Um, yeah. That is Bradfields. Um, I think you're talking about an infield that's going to include uh, Vastine, Davis Diaz, Parker Nolan, R.J. Austin and maybe like a Chris Maldonado uh, depending on how he handles himself um, from a freshman maturity standpoint, not to say he's immature, but uh, you know, he's maybe part of the equation there uh, outfield, you know, you're talking about Bradfield and center uh, and then you're doing a collection of Cal Hewitt, Matthew Polk, RJ uh TJ McKenzie, uh, who certainly has earned an opportunity to make an impact. And then you know, the, the position that I think, um, I say it delicately because I don't know for sure, but the position that I think is maybe a little bit more in flux than people realize, and, and this is not a shot at Jack Bulger. This is a comment on the way that Alan Espinall has improved his game, is the catching spot. Espy um, is a, a really good defender. Uh, catches a good game, and he has an absolute hose behind home plate. And you can tell, and ben Stein's not alone with this. You can tell and hear that this team is hitting the ball harder this spring, and that includes Espinal. I don't know if he can handle breaking stuff. Like, I we're at the point. I think that's kind of the question with Tim. If he gets a fastball, he's going to drill it. Um, but if it's a curve or a slider or whatever, like <laughs> we could get him off balance. Um, but if his if his offensive game is stable espinal gives you a chance at having a really compelling catcher back there and again that's not you know jack bulger is is very cerebral his transition from catch to throw is very very quick uh he obviously has a ton of power we know that um but I, I you know the thing with jack that we had last year uh is they're still they're still trying to get him to i don't want to say they're still they definitely last year were pushing him to be more of a um, energetic, uh, the cliche like woe guy versus go guy. You know, the ones are the whoa guys are the ones that you have to pull the reins on. The go guys are the ones that you're, you know, you give it a kick. And, and, and Jack from a, you know, from a confidence standpoint, you know, he knows he's a really good baseball player, but there's still another thing. There's another level when you know you're like that guy. And I think they've, they've tried to give him a a kick to, to be, to go. And I, I, this is not to say Jack's going to have a bad season. I I, I think he's going to be a very significant part of the offense. Uh, But, but Alan Espinall has raised his game, especially as a catcher and and doing enough offensively that that particular position uh, is no longer a given for Jack Boulder. Um, uh, There's going to be competition there. I think, I think, I don't know. I don't know. But it does make for a compelling storyline to follow. And I, and I think both of them are very, very good baseball players uh, that will be impactful on this team. And Jack has to be. Jack has to be a significant offensive piece uh, for this team for 2023. I just that's not that's not a that's not a, a guarantee that Jack Baldur is going to go catch 60 games for this team.
1: Yeah, D one baseball when it speculated uh-huh. on its starting lineup for Vanderbilt it had Espinol catching and Bolger at DH. Yeah. So you're you're not yeah. alone in that yeah. that uh, that line of thought. We'll see how it yeah. goes. Yeah, I've got to run, but before we do, I want to give you maybe thirty seconds to advertise the Anchor Podcast and whatever else you'd like to promote on your way on your way uh,
0: out. Yeah, no, for sure. Go go check out the Anchor Podcast. R J Shrek conversation uh, is going up. Soon, he's got good stuff. I'm going to post an interview with uh, Charles de France, who currently owns the stolen base record uh, with uh, Vanderbilt, and it's about to be broken by Enrique. So that's good. And as always, baseball games, 95.9560 9, 5, 560 plus the Vanderbilt Athletics app. Certainly download the Vanderbilt Athletics app if you have not. And then uh, Kev and Tim, as always, on 933 Classic Hits and the Vanderbilt Athletics app for men's basketball.
1: Hey, thank you for your time and your flexibility today and we'll talk to you again in a week or two. gosh, you'll be you'll be in Texas we'll this time games. next week.
0: We'll have games, we we'll baseball games oh, to talk about.
1: Thank God. Mm, yeah, the, this is go. the worst part of the year from January, February where the, the sky is you, you don't see the sun for 3 months and there's no baseball and it's just like how do I get through this? So You are Mr. Mr. We're, baseball, Chris. We we're, we're close. <laughs> All right, Andrew, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>